This is the Sooner Schooner Podcast, a proud member of the Heartland College Sports Network. I'm Eric G. from 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa. Welcome to episode one of our new venture. I'm not going to waste time telling you what the show will be or will not be. I'm just going to let you know that coming up today, we're going to talk about the NIL and the dangers of the NIL and how that relates to the transfer portal. We'll tell you what's to like and not like about OU coming up for the 2023 season. And we'll give you some thoughts on the upcoming Bedlam basketball matchup between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State without necessarily breaking the game down. Trust me, you're going to want to hear this. But let's talk about NIL and one of the biggest stories of the day, and this is actually how I led my show in Tulsa this week, or at least one day this week in Tulsa, and that's talking about Jaden Rashada. He's the quarterback recruit, that's what we'll refer to him as, or the quarterback signee, who inked with Florida, inked the national letter of intent with, with the understanding that a Florida collective, the Gator collective as it were, we're going to give him a $13 million NIL deal. It's going to be four years, $13 million. Now, there has been some talk, and my co-host said this on our show this week, um, and I think uh, one other person on our station may have said this this week, that this kid, um, Jaden Rashada, had signed. There was one amount that was put out there. He wanted more, and Florida may have told him to buzz off. I've looked at 24-7 sports. I've looked at ESPN. I've looked at Sports Illustrated. I've got the Washington Post copy in my hand right now, just so you know it's not fake. And there's nothing to back that up. There's nothing, at least in print, from a credible source that says that Jaden Rashada was promised a, a one amount at Florida, and then when he got on campus said, you better give me another or I'm out of here. Which, if he did, and if that was, in fact, the case, look, I don't blame Florida for telling the kid to go screw. Look, you're going to come here. We're going to promise you. Let's just throw out an amount. We'll promise you $10 million in NIL money. Oh, you want $3 million more? Hit the brakes, pal. We're, we're not doing that. No. What this is a clear case of is bait and switch, where this Florida collective wanted to steal him from Miami so bad, and apparently Miami, or supposedly Miami, was going to offer the kid $9.5 million. $9.5 million in NIL money to come play for the Hurricanes. Florida says, we got to have him. You know, Billy Napier wants him, so let's get him. Let's give him $13 million. The collective didn't have that kind of cash, so they bait and switched him. They told him one thing. They got him to sign the letter of intent, and once they got him to sign the letter of intent, then they tore up the agreement. Oh, wait, we don't have that kind of money. So now we're going to have to renegotiate. And, oh, you're stuck because you signed the letter of intent. Not so fast. There's this thing called the transfer portal. He can enter it. Now, he's being asked to let out of his letter of intent. And for Billy Napier's sake, you better do it. Because Florida has egg on its face. And whether or not this Gator Collective is actually representative or really has anything to do with the University of Florida, it doesn't matter. Because they're called the Gator Collective, the parents, the media, even though we know better, we're going to look at it as you're representing yourself from the university. You agreed to a contract that said this kid would come to your school and play, and in return, 
he would get $13 million. And when you don't follow up on your promise, that's just freaking sorry. And if OU were to do this, if there were one of these collectives, and there there are plenty of them at OU, were to promise some young man this kind of money, say, let's say even just $5 million to come to OU, and then turn around and took it away from him or turn around and took the offer on the table after he signed after he signed the letter. I'm not a I'm not a big screamer. I'm not a big yeller. And I, I don't go on the air with the intent to rip people, but I oh I would blister them. Because this is an uh, this is as unethical a practice as you can get. Hell, the bagman. We need to go back to the bagman in college sports because apparently the bagman has more ethics than than at least this collective does. Because the bag man knows, hey, if that 50K isn't in the backpack and on that kid's porch by February 1st, he's not signing with us, going back to the old days when there was one signing day. This guy's like, nah, we'll just, we'll wait. We'll tell him he's getting one thing. And then when he doesn't, what's he going to do? Going to go cry? No, what he's going to do is get out of his letter of intent, go to the transfer portal. And then he and his parents are going to tell everyone not to deal with you. You look incredibly stupid and dishonest and just like absolute crooks for doing this to this young man. And yeah, I know that that maybe you're not exactly thrilled about NIL. Hell, my co-host hates it. Coached in college football for eons, coached in the NFL for 10 years, hates the NIL, hates what it represents. But this is the world that we live in. And it's, in a way, it's kind of ridiculous that anyone would ever be upset about the NIL because you weren't upset about Kobe Bryant getting drafted by the Lakers and getting hundreds of thousands of dollars from them. You weren't upset about Kevin Garnett getting drafted by the Timberwolves. And I know I'm you know, going back a ways, but I'm trying to think of the two most prominent guys that came out of high school in the NBA, and, and they are in, at least in, in recent history. You weren't upset about Kevin you know, Garnett signing a $100 million contract. You're not upset about the fact of some teenager skipping college altogether and then joining the PGA or going to play tennis. But for some reason, when it comes to football, there are olds out there that want to tell you that the NIL is wrong. No, these kids deserve to get paid money for their name, likeness, and image. But what we've run into are a couple of problems. One, it's so new and it's unregulated that you don't know who to trust as a parent. And if as a parent, you have never been in high-level negotiations, you need to get somebody to negotiate things for you or at least listen and pick up on things that people are saying and more importantly, not saying when it comes to your kid and what kind of money that they're going to get. Um, I'm a terrible business guy. There's a reason I have so. when I get into a contract negotiation, I have a guy I call to do that for me because he can speak more freely to my bosses than I can. And my bosses can speak more freely to him. You can have a frank discussion and then hopefully everybody comes out a little happy and everybody comes out a little pissed, but kids don't know that they've never been in this situation. And many parents haven't either because not everybody's a CEO. Not not everyone has reached the top of their profession where millions of dollars are on the line or even hundreds of thousands of dollars are on the line. So there's one problem. Two, it's not really transparent 
the NIL is not really transparent at, at all in the fact of where's the money coming from? You know, how much is really going into these kids' pockets? And then the third issue, and this is this is the one place where the, where the, the NIL and the NCAA need to get a hold because it's affecting the transfer portal, is that you shouldn't be offering kids NIL money to sign with your school. And if a kid is only signing because you're offering him NIL money, then you don't want him because, let's just say for an example, you're at Oklahoma State. We'll just use them for an example. So you're at Oklahoma State. You can cap out at $2 million. You can give uh, your best player for, for an NIL deal. Well, USC comes along and they offer him five. They offer him six. That kid's going to jump. You don't want that. You want a kid to be at your school because he wants to be at your school and he thinks he's got an opportunity to win and he thinks that he's got an opportunity to contribute. That's why you want him. And it's not that things can't can happen. They can happen. Kids can jump into the transfer portal for a lot of reasons, but the NIL needs to be like endorsements. And... Think, think about this for a second. Okay, you're lucky enough to go sign a contract with the Dallas Cowboys or the Los Angeles Lakers. And not that Jeannie Buss or not that Jerry Jones couldn't hook you up with a car dealership or, I, I don't know, do we even still have a car stereo place, whatever, that, that, can, that can get you an endorsement. But when you start talking about most endorsements, agents go out and get those for their players. You as a player should have to come on campus and earn your keep if you're going to get that kind of money. And as a business owner, just thinking as a business owner, I don't care how many stars are by the kid's name. I don't care what the coaches told me about the team needing him in order for for them to win a national championship. I'm not investing my money into an unproven commodity. Sorry. Um, I could I could give you money. I could give Spencer Rattler money. He went out and stunk up the joint at OU, and then wow, great! I've got this guy as my endorser, and the people hate him. And it's not going to bring money into my business. That's what this is. It's a business transaction. So you better produce or have produced before I'm willing to separate with that kind of cash in order to give you this opportunity. The NIL is so whacked out now, and I feel bad. Look, schools like OU are going to thrive in this, though. You want the real upside of all this? OU, Texas, Florida. Well, okay, forget Florida. They screwed up. Alabama, Georgia. Schools like that will thrive because they have the wherewithal to provide NIL. It's your Oklahoma states. It's your Kansas states. It's the schools that are being left in the Big 12 who are going to find themselves losing players at a breakneck pace, and they can't do anything about it. Because unless you're going to make Manhattan, Kansas, or Lubbock, Texas, more attractive than what it actually is as a place to live, and unless you're going to find donors that you don't have that can somehow outbid the Notre Dames of the world, you're going to lose your players. The Blue Bloods will thrive. Everyone else every year is going to have to hit the reset button which sucks for you as a college coach having to hit that reset button. But if you don't learn how to do it quick, you're not going to survive. And hopefully for those for those schools that are not the OU types, athletic directors are understanding and coaches don't get axed as quickly as they normally do. All right, coming up next, 
we're going to talk about Bedlam basketball in a way that it hasn't been talked about ever. It's here on the Sooner Schooner podcast. You're listening to the Sooner Schooner podcast. I am your host, Eric G. And um, just so you know, we do things quite differently than a lot of podcasts. I think as you uh, may have heard in that first segment, we like to hit on the hits, uh, the topics of the day. Look, you can find a bunch of people that, w- that want to uh, break down re- you know, recruiting rankings with you, talk about film, talk about what guys can do. All that's great, and we're looking for suggestions, and we'll get into some of that, uh, but we want to hit the big topics, and one of the biggest topics, at least to me today, is the fact that it's that it's Bedlam basketball this week. And here's the thing. I don't feel an obligation to talk to you about it at all. I don't feel an obligation to tell you who's going to win, who's going to lose, um, you know, talk about matchups, any of that, because quite frankly, it doesn't matter the way that it used to matter. And that's sad. That's really sad. I've been back in Oklahoma now for 10 years. And one of the things that I was most excited about when I moved back was that Bedlam basketball would would be a big deal. And I was looking forward to finally getting to go to Gallagher-Iba Arena and watch a game because the OSU student section and the fans would pack it in. It would be an intense moment. And, yeah, it wasn't that. In fact, when I mentioned that I was most ex- most excited about Bedlam over one weekend when NFL playoffs were going on, people thought I was lying. It looked at me like I've got three heads. You know, this is stupid. Why would you say that? Well, there was a point when I was a board op at WWLS, when you got up morning of Bedlam basketball, you knew that's all people wanted to talk about, the host and the coll- callers. Now, neither one really delve into it. I mean, Al and Jim will delve into it. They'll delve, it, they'll delve into it because Al's still big into OU basketball. But for the most part, especially when you look at attendance for both schools, people are out. And a lot of it is is because neither school is all that good. I think they're 38th and 39th, respectively, in the BPI. OSU's 38th, OU's 39th. Neither one are ranked in the top 25. But heck, when OU was going to the Final Four, people weren't attending games. They were attending games with with Trey Young. And that's part of the problem with college basketball is that you've got a lack of star power. And at a school like OU, it takes star power. It takes an exciting brand of basketball to get people out. And when you don't have either, then no one's going to show up to watch. No one's going to care. And if I don't talk about it on the radio the next day, no one's going to complain about it. And And... I don't know that you'll ever get back to those days. College basketball is an absolute mesh right now. And with or without the transfer portal, kids were coming and going as they pleased. You've got all the best talent, like all the best talent right now in basketball, all the best young talents in the NBA. Heck, it might all be on the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are the second youngest team in the NBA, in NBA history. You've got guys that would still be in school if this were – 1985 or 1993 and Bedlam would mean something because you'd have played each other enough where you were sick of each other and you wanted to beat the other guy. Now it's like, all right, I got two times to play these guys. And then after that, it's done. It's it's over with. And as someone that longs for those days, longs for that to mean something, it's a sad statement to say that, but it's one that I, I accept. 
I accept the fact that football is the dominant sport at OU, and that's what we will talk about mostly on this podcast. This may be the only podcast we do that you ever hear us talk basketball because we're just not going to care. I think the diehards care. I think there are some diehards that do care, but for the most part, where your interest is, and best I can tell, it's always going to be on football. Even OSU fans, they have gone more towards football than they have anything else. But that's what gets you into the SEC. That's what sells out 80,000 tickets. And as long as that's the deal, we're going to continue to to serve you as far as that goes. And speaking of OU football, Joe Klatt, very big on OU going into the next year. A lot of people already have them in the way too early top 25. I can't go that far. Yes, there are lots of reasons to be excited about OU. You've got a top five recruiting class according to 24-7. Not better than Alabama, Georgia, or Texas, but still better than the likes of Notre Dame, better than Ohio State, better than LSU, better than schools that have been better than you over these last few years. Reason to get excited. Dylan Gabriel's coming back. One more year in Jeff Levy's system, and you have to think that Dylan Gabriel's going to be better than he was last year. What exactly does that mean? Who the heck knows? You know, who the heck knows what that means. Jackson Arnold coming on campus. Hopefully, he can push Dylan Gabriel for that starting job and make him better. If not, win it outright. Although, most people I talk to say Jackson Arnold isn't going isn't gonna to win that. The defense, you would think, would get better. You've added some guys to the transfer portal. But all that being said, because you're in a day and age of college football where, yes, and look, OU got hit in the transfer portal last year. OU, lost, OU is losing some, some key guys this year in the transfer portal as well. It's going to be harder and harder for us to tell you what these teams are going to do on a yearly basis. Now, you wouldn't be stupid if you picked Georgia to go back to the national championship, if you picked LSU or, excuse me, LSU or Alabama to be in the Final Four, go ahead and throw Ohio State in that mix as well. Those are, I mean, those are like shooting ducks. But anything other than that, college football is becoming harder and harder to predict every single year. And if you're an OU fan, you're probably banking on the fact that it just can't get worse than what it did when you went six and seven. And I'm, I'm like that too. It's like it can't be worse. It's got to be better. Of course, we have no idea what OU's schedule looks like because the Big 12 hasn't, hasn't managed to put that out yet. Yeah, Brett Yormark wants to make it younger, wants to make it hipper, wants to make it cooler. Thank God OU was leaving for the SEC. Thank God that is the case, and you're not going to have to put up with this half-assed conference I- I- anymore, this conference that can't seem to get out of, it, out of its own own way. So having not seen OU schedule, I'll I'll pick them to go three and zero in the in the non-con as far as the conference goes. I don't know. Should they be better than than Cincinnati and Central Florida and Kansas State and Kansas and Tech and Bay? Yes, yes, they should. Will they be? Yeah, you and I are both the same. I don't know. I mean, and look, I could tell you that they're gonna be better than all these teams, but I'd be lying. And anyone else that's telling telling you that is just spouting party line. And lying to you as well. Running back situation will be better. Receivers, you lose Marvin Mims, but I think you'll be okay there. Hopefully the offensive line can be better. 
Defensively, I still got questions on whether or not you can you can stop anyone. And we have learned that in college football, yes, the spread can be stopped with a good physical defense. Just go see what Georgia did to TCU a couple of weeks ago in in the national championship game. Okay, it's just it's that simple. Defense wins championships. Cliche time. And hopefully, Brent Venables can get that defense turn around. Um, that'll do it. Because I don't want to take up too much of your time. It's 20 minutes. That'll do it for the first episode here on the Sooner Schooner podcast. I thank you for listening. Um, look, please rate, subscribe, review. Um, you can do that on Apple. You can do that on Spotify. I would love your feedback. Any feedback you can give on how we can improve it. Look, I can't do anything about my voice. But I can certainly do things about the content. Tell me what you want more of, what you want less of. We'd love it. Just please rate, subscribe, uh, you know, rate, subscribe, review. And for you Oklahoma State fans uh, that may be listening, that follow me over through the Bedlam podcast, we'd love to have you um, as well. Thank you one more time. And as we end every show, I want God to bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to paraphrase Don Cornelius. Love, peace, and Boomer Sooner.